Hello and welcome to Freedom Through Truth, a broadcast outreach of Ministries of Wayne Weaver, bringing the freedom of God through the truth of God's Word. Let's tune in to today's message. Most disgusting smells that I know of. It's just very disgusting. Why in the world would God choose to live under the disgusting smells and former smells of goat's hair? Or, or badger skin? Or ram skins? All of those animals are not very appealing to kindness, to truth, to happiness, to joy. All of them are very, not very appealing at all. But underneath those three, there was a third one, which was the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is a fine twined linen, and it was white. And I believe God was using that to depict to us what he wants out of me. That that badger nature that I had in me at one time, I'd bark at anything that came close. And the goat, I'm going to have my own way, I follow nobody. And the ram, and the goat's hair, And then the righteousness of Christ lining within that temple. Now you look at yourself. Look at yourself. Look at the layers of your own life. That's who you were. And God chooses this tremendous, wonderful example to show us that's where we come from. And that's where he wants his glory to be in. How can God do all this? Because he creates us that way. He creates us in his image and in his likeness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about worship. And you might wonder, why am I talking about worship and humility concerning the creator? And I will look through some things here. This message had to be reduced and reduced and reduced and reduced and reduced and reduced. And I just decided to, I'm just going to take little tidbits of some of the things that I wanted to reveal. And I asked God that he would give me wisdom how to bring this message down into so that I could preach it in an hour's time. In Matthew chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. I'll just read. I'll probably have to speed up just slightly here. So that I can keep on going. Probably just share a couple thoughts and go to the next. Share a couple thoughts, go to the next. Matthew chapter 4 verse 9. And saith unto him, all these things will I give him. This is talking about Satan. When the enemy came to Jesus as he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He came to him and this is what he asked. He said, and all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. We take note of two things, uh, serve and worship. They're connected together. There's a command here that we are to serve God and to worship God. This was out of the mouth of Jesus himself. Matthew 15, verse 8. These people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, In taking these verses, I'd just like to take a little example of what God is asking us to do. God is wanting us to worship him. And and, and that's the call that we have on our life. And what he wants us to do is not the type of worship that Cain had. When he brought the best fruits that he could raise, he brought the best, most appealing things that he could develop with his own hands. God solidly rejected it. He said, because, why? Because he did not make it. God did not make it through him. 
Here comes a man that had nothing. His name was Abel. He had nothing that he made. He brought something that somebody else made. And he presented and God blessed it. And he said, ah, I will testify to this sacrifice. You see, God is looking for nothing. You look at Cain. Cain had his best substance. It's like, this is what I did. This is exactly what I did. And I'm going to please God today because I'm sure today he will smile on my life. He will be happy with what I'm bringing because I'm doing just a little bit better than somebody else. And so I think God is happy with me. God solidly rejected and said, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking to bring something that I have made that you did not touch through you. Do you see that picture? You see, we're so busy trying to make our own righteousness. And this is not what God's looking for. Our own righteousness will always be like filthy rags. But his righteousness that works in us and reigns through us is what he's looking for. And that only comes by nothing. And that nothing is death. This is why death works in us. But life in you. I remember years ago when I thought, you know, it's enough of preaching. This is many years ago. Enough of preaching on death and the cross, death and the cross. Because I never saw further than that. Until I understood resurrection. Now I can't get away from it. Because it's our victory. It's the nothing that God is looking for. When he sees that nothing, he says, oh, I can do it. He brings somebody to himself that needs faith to heal. Here comes somebody that's dying and completely going that route. And there's no hope for anything, no remedy, no nothing anywhere. And he looks at it and says, ah, they brought me nothing. And that's where he, he can raise up and says, ah, now I can do something. If somebody would only believe that he can, that's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things. It's not there, is it? Ah, it's there somewhere. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But it's evident that I don't see it. God is looking for that. And when he sees that, he says, I'll work right through that person. That moves God. And then God says, without that, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is tremendous freedom. Many see through a door, yet never walk through the threshold of it. There's many people that can see faith. It's not what we need. God needs to see the substance. And the substance is nothing. And when he can see that nothing, when he can see that a man has come to a place of nothing, as he says, that man I can, I can use. Because God wants the success and he, 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 he only works and lives in that stream of nothing so that he gets all the glory and all the honor for anything that comes out of that person because he did it. He is the creator. There's many people that could tell you all stories about the cross they can be very eloquent in what they say. They can be great orators and speak some of the best defined ways of speaking about the cross of Jesus Christ. The problem is they go through deep frustrations because what they're speaking of and what they know so well in their mind, they can't live. Many people look through a door, 
They stand at the door and they look through and they say, oh, glory to God. Yes, amen. But they dare not go through the threshold of it. And until you go through the threshold of that, it will not become reality. It will not become resurrection in your own life. Many see this. I've heard great messages on the cross already. Not here. But in other places and, and, and so forth. Messages on the... I'm not saying I didn't have here a great, great... Uh, uh, yeah. Hear me out and then you'll, you'll know what I'm saying. I heard great messages here. But I've heard people that had great explanations and how the cross is and what you do with the cross and how the cross works. But the problem was you could see they never went through the threshold of it. And as a result, didn't know how it is to carry the cross. I can understand love in its best. I can understand it completely. But if you don't have it in your heart, you never walk through the threshold of receiving it. Many people see it in the distance and they marvel at it. On our Tuesday night studies that I'm doing here on Romans, you sit there and you hear these things and I see smiles on your face even today as I'm preaching because it's making a difference in your lives. As I'm teaching this on, the, on, on, on a resurrection power and in Romans and so forth, there's many of you can sit there and say, wow, oh yes, oh glory, oh that's so wonderful. But can you enter through the threshold? Or is the cost too great? We can have a total understanding of the cross, but can you bear it is my question. Can you take the cross upon you and follow him? I understand the cross, I understand the importance of the cross, but you know what? I just cannot die to myself then you don't know the cross. Death, nothing. I want to speak a little bit about the uh, marvel of humility and worship. This is something that boggles my mind by way of human nature and understanding. However, in faith I see it. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 25, it's simply talking about Ahab. I've spoke, spoken to you uh, people some year or so ago or maybe more about Ahab. One of the great things that I saw about Ahab. This, this was a wicked king. I'll just read it. It says, but there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to, to work wickedness in the sight of, of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. And so what happened, uh, let me see here. I think I'll just maybe tell you the story rather than reading it off. What happened is he had a palace. He was a king of Israel. And he had a palace. And next to his palace, Naboth had a piece of land. And he wanted that land because it was a nice vineyard. Knowing the kings and the way they are and the way they did back in that day, he probably wanted it as a uh, somewhat an adjacent, some kind of a thing, perhaps to party and to bring in parties and have feasts and things of this nature. He wanted it really bad. And he talked to Naboth and he said, Naboth, I would like to have this piece of land. Would you sell it to me? And Naboth said, no, I will not sell it to you because it was inherited. I inherited this. And I'm a Jezreelite. And as a result of being a Jezreelite, I have some very strong roots that this gets passed on to the next generation, so I will not sell it to you. In the back of my mind, thinking also you're a wicked king, and this comes from an inheritance that was not from wickedness, but of something that was faithful. And if I turn this land over to a wicked king, it'll never turn back into God's hands. And so conscientiously, he could not do it. And so he goes back after he hears this, that Naboth is not wanting to sell it. So he goes back and he lays on his 
his bed and he, he kind of cries and so forth. And what happens then at, at, at evening when they had supper and all that or dinner and he was not hungry. And then Jezebel comes in and he says, which is the queen and said, what's wrong? Why aren't you eating? He said, oh, I've been wanting this land right next to him and the man won't sell it. And Jezebel said, oh, that's no problem. He said, I'll, I'll deal with that. And he went out and forged his name, signed a letter and sent it out to his kingdom and told him to call a fast. And then they're going to have a fast, and they got the people to fast. In the middle of this fast, which a fast, if I would tell you, listen to this. If I would tell you that we're going to, we're going to have a fast, just this church. But according to that, it would have been more than that. It would be the whole community had a fast. And in the midst of the fast, which is a high spiritual moment, in the midst of the fast, there's two people that say that, ah, oh, we know the problem. Something happened that Nabajeth was a man and he sinned and he did some things that were absolutely wrong and he needs to be stoned. And because in the midst of this high, this high moment of religion, if I could call it that way, it seemed that it must, might have sounded like it was God putting his finger right against Naboth and Naboth for some reason, and they brought him up and they accused him and they said, no, take him out and stone him to death. So they took him out and stoned him to death. At that point, Elijah got a word from the Lord and says, go and see King Ahab. And go and tell him that you're going to die. You and your wife, you and Queen uh, Jezebel are going to die. And what happened then as a result was there was, they, were, they came, I believe it was, um, uh, let me see who was the man on the horse that rode fast. Uh, Jehu, yeah. Yehu. That's where that word comes from. You know that? Just a Yehu. He's driving like a Yehu. That's what they say. That's where that comes from. Jehu. Jehu came and he was coming on horses and he looked up and he saw Jezebel painted herself over so that she appears like another person because she knew there's somebody coming to get her life. And so they pushed her out over the wall and she fell and she was eaten by the dogs, trampled over by the horses. And at that time was when the word came also to Elijah and, uh, or from Elijah to Ahab and said, like she died, you will die. Thank you for listening to today's program. We hope you were blessed. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our listeners. Check out our website and get our weekly word e-letter by signing up at www.ministriesofwayneweaver.com. Until next time, God bless.